everybody. It's Miss Texas USA 2019, Alea Benavidez, and you're listening to Life After the Crown with Tim Teal. Hey everybody, my name is Tim Tialdo, and welcome to Season 2 of the Life After the Crown podcast. Now, if you haven't had a chance to listen to any of the previous episodes, I do encourage you to go back and listen, because there are many valuable interviews that you will definitely gain some wisdom from. Now, for those of you who are just tuning in for the first time, welcome and thanks for checking us out. Each episode of Life After the Crown, I interview former pageant contestants, title holders, and women of influence who share advice and stories on how to help you succeed in the world of pageants, but more importantly, how you can flourish in the professional world once your pageant journey comes to an end. As always, I appreciate you taking the time to download this podcast. I do value your time, and I'm glad you're here listening. So let's get started. My guest today was Miss Texas USA 2019, and she's a student at the University of Texas at San Antonio, where she is working on earning her PhD. Her goal is to become a professor and a published author. She took her passion for reading and writing a step further with the creation of her Read the Way campaign, which benefits local schools and literacy programs. She hopes to continue advocating for literacy through her online boutique called the Three Bs Boutique, which donates a portion of all sales to local literacy initiatives. Excited to welcome a very recognizable current face in the pageant world, Alea Benavidez. Welcome to Life After the Crown. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm glad we could make this work. Yeah, and such a beautiful name, by the way. What's your background? <laughs> Thank you. Um, actually, really funny. My mom was going to name me Brittany. She was nine <laughs> months pregnant, and she heard, I know, Brittany, of all things, and then to Alea. Um, she heard my name on the Discovery Channel. Um, it was like part of the name of a river in Greece, or something she says. <laughs> so she literally switched my name like two weeks before giving birth. My grandfather was pissed. He's like, nobody's going to be able to pronounce that. Nobody's going to know how to spell it. He was right. <laughs> but I, I like it. I like having a different name. Have you ever included that in your fun facts that you're named after some river in Greece? No, because I've never actually been able to find the river. I think my mom's making it up. I think <laughs> I'm actually named after Star Wars. Well, it's a good folklore tale. We'll, we'll go with it. <laughs> So, uh, you know, Texas is a big state to obviously compete in. I've interviewed your predecessor, Logan Lester. It's one of the big legacy states in America. Obviously, certainly not an easy one to compete in. So I guess before we get into, you know, competing in Texas and all that went into going uh, to Miss USA, uh, can we go back to when Alea started in pageants and why? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, I've been competing in pageants for several years now. So I actually started in 2012. Well, and to be completely honest, it was just like a small town county fair pageant. I only competed because my friends were, and they talked me into doing it. I never thought I had a chance at winning. I was super shy, very awkward, short hair, braces, like everything they say pageantry isn't, I was at the time. So I went in simply with the hopes of being this congeniality. Like that's all I wanted. <laughs> I bribed the girls with food at every practice and workshop. I would bring cupcakes and cookies and I just wanted to be Miss Congeniality because that's the only thing I thought I had a chance at winning. So pageant day comes, you know, I do my best. Goodness gracious, I winked at the judges during our fun fashion portion. It was just, 
It was a hot mess. I look at that whole pageant now and just kind of cringe inside, knowing what I know now. And to my surprise, I ended up winning that pageant. Even though I felt like I had none of the qualifications, I still ended up taking home the title. It was Miss Holotus. And honestly, I just had such a good year. I didn't realize how much growth a person could, you know, experience in a year. And I went from being this shy, awkward, really uncomfortable in my own skin, little 16-year-old to by the time I gave my title up, I was 17 and confident and comfortable speaking in front of crowds and introducing myself to strangers in, you know, social events. So growing so much that year and realizing how much impact my voice and, you know, my determination to change something had, I kind of just caught the pageant buzz. I just kept going from there and never really stopped until this year. Then go back and so when you were not thinking about competing in pageants, it wasn't even on your mind. Talk about what you perceived pageants to be before you competed versus, you know, now that you're you know completely done with Miss USA, what you got out of it that you didn't expect to. Well, I've always kind of followed pageants because my mother, my grandmother, they would watch like Miss USA and Miss Universe every year. And so naturally, I grew up watching pageants with them. And so I always looked up to the women competing at Miss USA and at Miss Universe and all of their accomplishments and their confidence. I just never thought I had that in me. So I've always admired pageant queens. I've always admired girls who did that and had the courage to do that. I just never considered myself uh, courageous enough to do something like that. So competing in pageants for the very first time was so far out of my comfort zone. My mom actually had to kind of give me a little push and convince me that just go for it. Just try it. You never know until you try. So I've always admired it. So let's talk about competing in Texas. So, you you know, you win your little county fair pageant and, you know, that's like your first one. And you're like, okay, this is pretty cool. But now you're going to go compete in one of the two biggest states in the country when it comes to pageantry, Texas and California. Monstrous amount of feeder pageants going into that. Hundreds of competitors uh, you know, it's one thing to win that local, but I mean, to think that you could win the state pageant, talk about, uh, I guess, your mindset going into it and what you really thought would happen. <laughs> so Miss Lotus was like, like I said, it's just a little county fair pageant. You win that, you do a few parades, you're done with your year. So after that, I competed at Miss San Antonio, Texas teen. I was 17, 18 at the moment. And from there, went to compete at Texas Teen USA. And I had no idea what I was getting into. I was so surprised when I got there when they released headshots and there was 120 girls competing. I went from the 10 girls at my county fair pageant and 12 at San Antonio to 120. I was not ready. So I get there, I roll up, I have like my little duffel bag. It's really all I brought was my duffel bag. And I get to my room and my roommate had this whole crazy setup. She had a rolling rack. She had a light-up mirror. <laughs> she had a makeup trunk. And I'm literally walking in with a duffel bag in my cowboy boots. And I'm like, what did I just sign up for? I was not ready for Texas scene at all. So I went through the weekend just kind of accepting that I had no chance that year. If I could place at all, that would be just by God's good graces. So just kind of completely falling into the experience. And I had a blast. I mean, I still talked to several of the girls that I competed at Miss Texas Teen USA with that year. And I just had so much fun. And that year, I actually placed second runner-up. So I went in, again, thinking, like, I have no chance at this. And I ended up, 
winning photogenic and placing second runner-up out of 120 girls. So for whatever reason, I guess not thinking I have a shot actually helps me because I don't stress so much. (laughs) I don't know. But yeah, all the times that I've gone in thinking like, okay, I have a really good chance at this. I don't play. And then all the times I've competed and thought there's no way I'm just going and I'm just going to have fun. I've done exceptionally well. So you use reverse psychology to compete now? I guess. Yeah, it's worked for me so far. So what made you want to come back and compete in Miss this year? So I competed that year, got second runner-up. So naturally, my director was so excited. I was approached after the pageant by countless people encouraging me to compete again. They're like, come back next year. I was aging out of team. They're like, come back and compete in Miss. Come back and compete. You need to keep the momentum going. You're only going to grow from here. You know, all of the, all of the encouraging words. So I decided, what the hey, I'm just going to go for it. So I competed the next year in 2014 in Miss. I did not place. I didn't really do very well. I was, still had a lot of my quirky teeniness. I hadn't quite prepared. You know, Miss is such a different ballgame from teen. You go from slumber parties and PJ parties to <laughs> everybody walking in looking like they just came off the New York Fashion Week runway. So, again, I go in completely unprepared, but after a year of everybody hyping me up and telling me, you were second runner-up at teen, you're totally going to place at Miss, I went in pretty, not confident, but a little bit more self-assured than I had before. And lo and behold, I did not place. So that mindset did not work well for me. So I actually came back and competed the next year in 2015. Same thing. I did not place. Um, I went in feeling really good, thinking that I looked the best that I had ever looked when I had competed. Finally thought I was figuring out the hair and makeup thing. Did not place. And looking back, I'm like, I definitely do not look good. I don't know why I thought I did. (laughs) So I took some time off. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. It's so funny looking back on photos and being like, yeah, no. Why did I do that? (laughs) Um, What, What was that? I know. So I took some time off from the USA system. I went straight and I competed at Miss United States. So I tried out another system. You know, United States, their scoring system's different. Their focus is really heavy on platform, which I admired. So I just decided to try it, see what would happen. I had some friends compete and really enjoy their experience. So I won Miss Texas United States, went on and won Miss United States. So I spent the year as Miss United States, really just giving my all to that year. Um, I was traveling every weekend. And the difference between Miss United States and Miss USA is, you know, Miss USA, you move to New York. You're Miss USA. I mean, they keep your schedule really busy. Miss United States is way more on your own. So I was making my own appearances. I was still able to live in San Antonio. But I kept myself busy as if I was having somebody schedule my appearances full time. So I was gone every single weekend. I think maybe I spent three weeks at home total that year. Like I was always on the go. Wow. Okay. So I took a year off from pageantry after that year. Um, I actually wasn't going to come back to the USA. Um, I was just going to retire completely from my pageant career then. And it was the fact that I couldn't stop thinking about USA. You know, my goal in pageantry was always to be Miss USA, compete at Miss USA, represent Texas. And I couldn't stop thinking about it for that year that I was in quote-unquote retirement. So finally, I just decided, you know what? I'm still eligible to compete. I may as well just give it one more chance, just try it one more time, see what happens. 
because um, you have to think the last two times I competed, I hadn't played at USA. So I was just assuming, you know, we'll see if I even place this year and then go from there. So I decided to compete. I went and competed at the local. I competed at San Antonio. I won Miss San Antonio, so I went under a local director. And the difference for me was going into this year, I just decided I was going to let go. I was going to enjoy the experience. I wasn't going to stress about what my competitors were doing, what the veterans were doing, what the front runners were doing and who they were. I was just going to let it all go and just have fun, enjoy the experience and see what happens. And you won. <laughs> and then I won. Yeah. <laughs> so apparently, again, apparently that I'm just going in lackadaisical mindset really works for me when it comes to pageants. All right. Well, so then let's talk Miss USA. You know, over several pageants, you figured out that this reverse psychological approach seems to work. You know, and I know a lot of people for a fact online, you know, really had you high up there. I mean, you're incredibly photogenic. You're Texas. And so you've got the sash factor going in. Um, What what was your mindset going into Miss USA? So Miss USA is like a whole different level. Like, yes, Texas is a very competitive, very big um, like you said, there's Sash Factor. We have the whole legacy. We have an amazing team. But nothing can quite prepare you for Miss USA. That is just like the Super Bowl of pageantry. And I was so nervous. This was something that I had dreamed about doing for years and years and years. And finally was preparing to actually go to Miss USA. And it never, for me, fully sunk in. Like, I'm Miss Texas USA. I'm going to compete for Miss USA and represent Texas. Like, it didn't set in for me, honestly, until preliminary. Like, prelims at Miss USA is when I was finally like, oh, my gosh, I'm here. <laughs> so and it you- took a while. So it was very difficult for me to get into the right headspace and that, you know what, I'm just going to enjoy myself. I'm just going to have fun. Because I would go from, like, this isn't real, pinch me, to holy crap, I'm going to Miss USA. Now, regardless of placing, uh, you were highly featured in the Chi uh, hair commercials because, uh, you know, you're, you're very yeah. photogenic and it just really worked well. And um, you really starred in those commercials. Was that kind of a surprise for you? Chi is a Texas-based company. So I've actually worked with Chi since I started um, in pageants back in 2013. So it wasn't a complete surprise to be so much in the Chi commercials because I know the team. I've worked with the team countless times. So for me, it was just another day at work when I was recording those. Well, I got to let everybody in in on a little story that happened at prelims at USA, and I'm sure you'll remember it when I bring it up. But uh, during prelims, um, I sat in the second row just to kind of watch the production and kind of just see how things were were shaping up. And uh, as you well know, you were involved in kind of the the placing as they worked their way down to the final uh, there at the end. And down the row from me, was an incredibly passionate group of guys. I, I want to say they were from the Philippines. I'm not sure. But man, were <laughs> I they... Know exactly sc- who you're talking Texas, about. Texas! Texas! <laughs> I mean, they just kept screaming Texas, and it was just so funny because oh, all you so could do was funny. giggle. What was it, what, are, what is it like to have international people cheering for you that, you know, you, you have no idea who these people are, and they come from literally across the world. They know who you are, and they're cheering for you like oh you're God. their sister. It was so crazy. Um, you know, of course, we have social media, so I'm getting tagged in things and comments and messages constantly leading up to Miss USA. So I was kind of used to the international pageant fans online. You know, they, they always want to let you know where they're from. So they're like, Texas, we love you. 
love from Colombia, love from the Philippines, love from Brazil. You know, I was, I was hearing it from all over the world, which was unreal. Every time I had a new, you know, country or area, I was just like, mom, look at this. Like, these people are from all the way in the Philippines and they know who I am. That's crazy. Like, it was mindful. But to actually be able to meet them in person at Miss USA was just so different because they know me. They are able to point out these little things that they've noticed about me or that they've seen of me and they are giving their support and their encouragement. And it was just so crazy to be able to meet these people in person and have them know who I am. Like, it was just so crazy. And what I, like, really appreciated was, you know, obviously I didn't place at USA, and I come on stage to do the the little opening dance before swimsuit, and so we're in a commercial break, and we're supposed to be being quiet on stage and getting into placement, and I hear those same gentlemen from the Philippines just screaming, Texas, Texas, like as if I was competing. <laughs> I'm like, guys, you realize I'm out of the competition, and they didn't care. They were cheering for me anyway. I met them again after the pageant and they just wanted to come up and get a picture with me. And it just meant so much that, you know, these pageant fans really love and support us girls competing regardless of they don't care how successful we are. They appreciate what we're doing outside of the competition. Now, I would imagine that it's both flattering, as you mentioned, but also sometimes scary that people so know so much about you that you've never met in your life. It was overwhelming for sure. I felt a lot of pressure going into Miss USA. You know, every now and again, there would be somebody who would say something that was just peculiar and would kind of make me go, okay, how do you know that? <laughs> um, I've kind of realized pageant fans have no limit, but this is true. their heart most of the time is in the right place. You know, they just want to see you happy and successful. I still get messages. I mean, I gave up my title back in September, and I'm still receiving messages from pageant fans encouraging me and cheering me on and so excited to see whatever I'm doing nowadays. Like, they still care, even though I'm technically a former. So as you competed in Miss USA, walked away from Reno there, um, and I've talked to you know, a few of your sisters who competed this year, including Chesley, was your experience at Reno what you expected and what you had hoped for? In some ways, it was more, and in some ways, it was just different. I wouldn't quite say lesser, more so just it was different than I was expecting. You know, whenever you're watching the girls go to compete at Miss USA, you're only seeing what makes social media. You're only seeing the, the photo shoots in the hallway of their fabulous outfit of the day and their stories they're posting after they walk out of interview and the behind-the-scenes look at practice. You're not seeing how intense it is and how hard those girls are working to, you know, one, stay energized. You are working such long hours and constantly in rehearsal and going all out in rehearsal. Your feet hurt. You're exhausted. You're probably hungry. Um, I ate a lot at the buffet. I'm not going to lie. So I was never <laughs> hungry and I always had snacks. But some girls were really hungry because they were worried about swimsuit, which more respect to them, I could not avoid the temptation of the dessert table. So Well, it didn't show. Thank you. I made sure to do crunches in my room. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't. I wish I did. I didn't have the energy for that either. But, you know, it was way more challenging than I was expecting. And, you know, it does take a really heavy emotional toll on you because you do have all of these supporters. You have your friends, your family, your directors. Yes, but you also have pageant fans messaging you and supporting you. I was receiving mail 
from random pageant fans that followed me online, just sending me letters to encourage me and tell me how much they looked up to me and how excited they were to watch me compete. And it all means so much to you and it fuels you. But at the same time, like going into the show, I was so nervous. I was like, oh my God, all these people believe in me. I have to do this for them. Like, I don't want to let all of these people down. And that puts a lot of pressure on you. I wasn't expecting it to be such a heavy weight to do well and make everybody proud. Do you feel like it affected your performance? Um, I feel like that kind of got in my head a little bit. Yeah, because I was so nervous. Like, I hadn't been nervous on stage in a very long time, and I was at Miss USA. Like, I just felt, I had so many people, you know, coming up to me, and they're like, Texas, Texas, you're my winner. I have you in my top five for sure. Oh, this is going to be easy for you. And, you know, I, I didn't feel that way going into it at any point. But you're hearing all of these meaningly, like, these encouraging words, these words that are supposed to be encouraging and uplifting, and though they meant the world to me that these people saw me in this way, I couldn't help but be like, oh, my gosh, like, these people think so highly of me. Like, I don't know that I'm going to be able to meet that expectation. It was very nerve-wracking. Well, and in talking to a lot of your sisters from Miss USA uh, about what else they felt pressure about, um, obviously pageants have changed a little bit over the last few years. Um, It's really no secret that politics have gotten a little bit more involved in pageantry and just, you know, how that uh, how that goes. Um, I actually did a poll on Instagram this week asking everybody if political questions should be banned from the top five national pageants. Uh, the final tally was 66% said yes, 34% said no. I guess from, from your standpoint, from somebody who's actually been there, um, what are your thoughts on you know, how political things have gotten with pageantry? You know, I feel like the winner, whoever it is, whether it's a state, a local, or Miss USA or Miss Universe, they are a representative for that area, for whatever area it is they're representing. And so whenever you throw a very controversial political question at them, they're not going to give you a completely straight answer because of fear of backlash. People online are so hateful and they are so passionate about whatever it is they believe in. And though they're entitled to those beliefs, they don't always agree with, you know, the opposing side. And so when you're asking girls these really controversial questions, especially at Miss USA on national television, it's very difficult for them to give a 100% unfiltered answer. They're going to fear backlash. And then they they give a controversial type of answer. Their first media tour interview they're doing the next day is going to be them moving the rough edges out from the controversy they gave with that answer. So I say, I mean, I think that it's important to be aware of politics and what's going on in the country and in our government. I think that's very important for a title holder. But asking, like, really heavy, very politically controversial questions on stage, I, I haven't always thought that that was the best idea. Well, and I think it's really hard. You know, let's just take Chelsea Harden's question from 2016. Would you vote for Trump or Hillary? I mean, obviously a pretty direct oh question that, you know, if she would have answered it outright, either way it would have been backlash, like, unbelievably online. Yeah. But I think the big argument, with all of this in in the pageantry world is when you have judges, judges are human beings too. And no matter what you say, let's just say she said Trump, or let's just say she said Hillary, 
Obviously, some of the panel is not going to agree with that. And how is that going to affect their judging? Now, they can say, well, we're unbiased. Well, you can say that. But at the end of the day, let's be honest, if you're a Trump hater, as an example, it's going to affect you big time. So, you know, putting people in a position where they have to judge people based upon maybe the fact that they don't philosophically or politically agree with them, um, I I think it makes it challenging. Do you guys get nervous when they're calling the top 15? Because it's like, yeah, I want to get into the top five, but at the same time, I'm terrified of the top five because of what's about to come. (laughs) No, yeah. I mean, that's why they call it the dreaded final question, because you dread it. You have no way of 100% preparing what they're going to ask you for. And that's terrifying. I mean, you don't know. They could ask you something as simple as, what do you think it means to be Miss USA? Or what does the title mean to you? Or like you said, who are you voting for in the upcoming election? And those are very vastly different questions. And they're going to get a very different response. Well, let's talk about your professional pursuits uh, outside of pageantry. You know, you've you've kind of now graduated from being Miss Texas USA and you're moving on to do some different things. Now, I know, number one, you're trying to get your Ph.D. at the University of Texas at San Antonio. What exactly would you love to do as a career? So I've always loved English, which is kind of ironic considering I have dyslexia. And typically people who are dyslexic don't love English. They tolerate it um, just because it's a little bit more challenging. I have always loved it, though. I've loved storytelling and I've loved writing and it's all been very therapeutic for me almost. Like that, that is my escape. I would much rather get cuddled up with a book on a Saturday night than go watch a movie or a TV show even. And I have always found like English classes super easy, but I've noticed that my peers don't always. My peers will, you know, be dreading having to write a paper or the reading was really difficult and they didn't understand the underlying story of what the text was going over. And I have always kind of been a tutor to them. I've always helped. I've always kind of given guidance where I could. And that kind of led me to think, like, why wouldn't I do this? Like, this is something I have such a passion for. Why wouldn't I want to do this as a career? So I looked at doing grade school. I looked at middle school. I looked at high school. Um, But I've always wanted to write also. It hasn't just been about teaching. It's also been about wanting to have my own works and write myself. So being able to obtain my Ph.D., gives me the opportunity to teach at an accredited university. And also, while being a professor, you're able to kind of do your own independence. You're able to work on your own personal goals and achievements in the literary world. So it it gives a really great balance to be able to share both of my passions as writing and storytelling, while also being able to help other people better educate themselves. Uh, any specific universities that you want to teach at? I mean, if I'm shooting for the stars, I would love to teach at an Ivy League. Okay, but there you go. Just any great university. I mean, I love the University of Texas. Um, Incarnate Word is a wonderful university that we have here in San Antonio. Um, so, I mean, there's several that I would consider. Do you want to leave San Antonio? I mean, are you one of those people that, you know, now that you're you're kind of getting to the point where you're almost done with school, do you have the urge to want to uh, expand and explore or you're kind of a homebody and you want to stay? Oh, my gosh. I know. So I go back and forth with this all the time. Um, if you would have asked me a couple months ago, I was dead set on moving. I'm like, I'm getting out of San Antonio. If even for just a year, I want to move to like a bigger city. I want to go to New York. I want to go to Los Angeles. I want to go to you know, 
maybe not Miami necessarily, but somewhere in Florida, somewhere big, just <laughs> to experience life somewhere else. I love traveling. I love going places. But at the same time, there's always kind of a comfort in coming home to something so familiar. I mean, I've lived in San Antonio my whole life. I was born here, raised here. I have never known life anywhere else. So there is a very big comfort to being able to come home after spending time away. But I also have like this travel bug. I get antsy when I'm home for too long. I want to go travel and explore and see things and experience life elsewhere. So who knows? I might end up staying in San Antonio. I might end up moving, you know, into another country. I don't know what's going to happen, but <laughs> I'll definitely will keep traveling. Well, before you uh, pursue becoming some sort of professor, um, right now, your business pursuits basically combine two things. Number one, you're, you're a successful model, very photogenic, as we mentioned. And you have an online business called the 3Bs Boutique. And you've kind of taken the modeling and the business side and you've combined those two into something that you're very passionate about. Can you tell everybody about it? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So 3Bs is something that I just started this year. So 2019 was our first year actually being live. And I started it with my mom and my sister. So it's the three of us. We're the 3Bs because we're the three Benavidez girls. Um, so it's kind of a play on words there. But... I have always loved fashion. I obviously love modeling. And so we just decided, like, you know what? Let's, let's try to combine all of this. Let's start a business, make it a family business. And on top of all of that, now that my year as Miss Texas is over and, you know, schools aren't asking just a former title holder to come to schools and educate students on read the way necessarily as much as they were when I was an active title holder. So I wanted to figure out how I could continue to, you know, be of influence in the literary world and help in, you know, any kind of literacy initiative. So with the three Bs, on top of having super cute clothes and being able to just kind of enjoy the fashion world, I also donate a portion of every year's proceeds to different literary initiatives across the nation, here locally in San Antonio. So it's been a really great way to kind of continue my Read the Way work. Well, very cool. Well, good luck with that. And I know it, it looks like, you know, it's, it's doing quite well from what I can tell online. Yeah, it's been a little hard juggling that in school and Miss Texas and Miss USA. It's been difficult juggling everything, but it's been fun. And luckily, I have my mom and my sister to help me out when I get a little busy. Well, look, we got a couple of minutes left here, and I do want to ask you one more question before we get to your uh, get-to-know-Alea questions. Um, and that really is, what advice would you have um, for those either currently or thinking about competing in the present-day pageant culture? Oh, my gosh. Well, like I said, I feel like I did the best when I just let go. So anybody that ever wants to know my take on pageantry, I think the best thing to do is just be raw, be real, be yourself. Um, answer honestly in interview and enjoy the experience because it makes such a obvious difference when you are on stage enjoying your time versus when you're overanalyzing every piece of what you're doing, where your hair is falling, where you're stepping, where you're looking, how big you're smiling. Like just enjoy the experience because people naturally levitate towards happy, confident people. So if you're able to just exude that happiness and that confidence while you're on stage, the judges naturally are just going to be drawn to you. And maybe use a little of that Alea Benavidez uh, reverse psychology approach. Right. <laughs> just tell yourself you're not 
nervous. You are going to suck. Gonna this is going to be terrible. You got no chance. Yes. <laughs> yes. You're just going to have fun. You're going for the participation trophy. Oh, very good. I love it. I love it. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. Ten questions. It's just all for fun. It's just to get to know you in a little different way. So are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Uh, all right, here we go. Number one, what chore do you hate doing? Ooh, laundry. Number two, what is your favorite color? Blue. Number three, what are you afraid of? Spider. Number four, what impresses you? Um, good grammar. Like, very good vocabulary. Always impresses me. Number five, your favorite experience you had at Miss USA? Getting to spend time with all the girls. Like, I just really enjoyed spending time with the girls in the evenings after everything calmed down. Number six, what's the last movie you watched, and was it good or bad? Oh my gosh, I watched um, Highwaymen last night. It's about Bonnie and Clyde. It was actually really good. It was super, it was a very long movie. It was really good. It was very suspenseful. Good, but long. Yeah. All right, number seven. What have you done in your life that you are the most proud of? I would have to say either partnering with the mayor of San Antonio to kind of continue, read the way, and his passion is literacy. He's been wanting to make San Antonio more literate and read the way really directly aligned. So being able to work with him over the last year for me was a huge accomplishment. Number eight, what is your favorite Halloween costume? I never dress up for Halloween. My go-to is like Mickey Mouse ears and some red lipstick. <laughs> so, there you go. So really nothing. Happy Halloween. Really nothing. Yeah, I never dress up for Halloween. All right, number nine, use one word to describe your computer ability. Integrative. Ooh, getting good there. You see, this is why you like vocabulary in other people. I do. Number <laughs> 10, last one. What compliment do people give you the most? That I have great hair. This people is always true. compliment my hair. Hence the Chi commercial. Come on, people. It's the Chi, obviously. They go hand in hand. Chi <laughs> in my hair. Well, hey, uh, I know you you got to get back. You're on a lunch break, and I appreciate you taking the time in the middle of your day to do this. But uh, really, thank you so much, and uh, awesome to meet you and finally get to chat for a little while. And uh, I look forward to probably meeting you at one of the future pageants. Yes, I'm sure we'll definitely run into each other somewhere in the pageant world. But thank you so much for having me on. I'm so glad I was able to hang out and chat with you for a little bit. Yeah, enjoyed it. Well, thanks so much, Alea. Have a good day. We'll talk soon. Thanks for listening to today's episode, everybody, and to Alea Benavidez for her time. Now, if you want to follow Alea on social media, just check out her Instagram, at Alea Benavidez. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you wouldn't mind, please subscribe. You can do so on Spotify, iTunes, the podcast app, Google Play, and YouTube, or you can just go to lifeafterthecrown.com. And for weekly podcast updates, just follow me on Instagram, at Tim Tialdo. Until next time, remember the words of 2 Timothy 4, verses 1 and 2. I can't impress this on you too strongly. God is looking over your shoulder. Christ himself is the judge, with the final say on everyone, living and dead. He is about to break into the open with his rule, so proclaim the message with intensity. Keep on your watch, challenge, warn, and urge your people. Don't ever quit, just keep it simple. Have an awesome week, everybody. Music